Well, good morning, and welcome to the Saturday Morning Show. Orion Samuelson with you here on this Saturday morning as we take a look at uh, an event that uh, took place this week, the Sandwich Fair. No, it didn't because of the COVID-19. And we're going to look ahead to this next week when we'll stage the Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And uh, we're going to talk to Matt Youngman, who is the manager of the Farm Progress Show, to learn more about how they're going to do it. You know what? Your viewpoint of the Farm Progress Show could be from your easy chair in the living room because uh, it's being done virtually, and we are going to learn a lot about doing a virtual farm show. And uh, Matt Youngman, who uh, spent the first summer at home, I think, forever, because he wasn't able to uh, set up the exhibitor tent and everything else because it's being done virtually. But Max Armstrong and our television crew has spent a busy couple of weeks uh, shooting video of the machines harvesting. And oh, by the way, some people have emailed me to say, they plant corn and soybeans to be harvested at Farm Progress Showtime. What are they doing with those crops? Are they still standing in the field? Well, we'll get answers to all of those questions as we get ready to do the uh, Saturday morning show. Temperature-wise, we're looking at 61 degrees on my thermometer in the backyard here in Huntley, Illinois. And since midnight, we got 16 hundredths of an inch of precipitation to add to the precipitation that we finally got earlier this week or this past week coming to an end. So, uh, yeah, we're getting that moisture that we need. Gloria doesn't have to uh, water her tomato plants every other day because Mother Nature did some of that. So uh, Jim Fazell is standing by, and you know what? We're going to talk about planting trees because every year Jim makes a good point about the fact if we don't plant trees, our children and grandchildren may not have shade trees to play under under the backyard. So we're going to talk about the tree planting situation and how you pick trees to plant and uh, that'll be coming up along with the Matt Youngman report from the Farm Progress Show. So we're at 10 minutes after 5 o'clock. Jim Fazell standing by and uh, we'll visit with him when we continue on the Saturday morning show. Good morning to Jim Fazell, who joins us every Saturday morning. Well, for a few more weeks before the snow begins to fly, but I'm going to quote one of the lines in the note you sent me this week, Jim. It says, once we get past Labor Day, it's time to plant trees and shrubs. I always get the urge to plant stuff at this time of the season. Isn't that a little backward, Jim? Uh, you mean backward to be anxious to plant? <laughs> well, no, the fact that we normally plant in spring, we don't plant in the fall. Well, we're talking about trees and shrubs, and that's a different story altogether. Uh, in fact, most trees and shrubs are best planted in the fall. Uh, as soon as we get into some mild weather, which we've got now, and the temperatures have moderated, 
We'll probably have very much more 90-degree weather. But more important, it's rainfall, the moisture that we get. Uh, you and I were talking earlier about how much rain we've gotten already in the last week. Uh, it's really amazing because we have uh, three and a half inches so far this week in our rain gauges. I know you've got about the same in yours. And right. in the whole month of August, we only had three-quarters of an inch. So it's, it's a vast improvement. When we get moisture like that, it's a much, much better time for planting. And a good time to plant trees. It's time to plant trees. You know, the citrus trees and and shrubs are becoming dormant now. The leaves have pretty well done their job. Uh, uh, If you strip the leaves off a tree right now, it probably isn't going to hurt them any. Um, And plants are at the peak of their storage of carbohydrate. All the carbohydrate from photosynthesis that took place place all the year is still in that plant, or most of it's still in that plant, minus what little bit they've used to survive through the through the season. So plants are most able to tolerate the trauma of losing roots from transplanting. This is a good time to do that. Now, I might uh, make a caution to this because there are certain varieties that really do have to be planted in the spring. Uh, that would include something like a red bud. That's a plant that doesn't do well if it's transplanted in the fall because it has tough, a tough time getting through that first winter. But actually, um, we do need to plant trees, and this is the time to do it. And there, we've been losing a lot of trees. We know that the, a lot of the uh, uh, areas throughout suburbia here are pretty devo- devoid of trees because of Elmer da- emerald ash borers, but there have been diseases like the oak wilt and verticillium and Dutch elm that have taken them out. Probably the biggest factor, though, is the weather. We've had, uh, for the last two or three decades, some really tough weather that's really tough on trees. Um, Hot, dry summers, just like we've just gone through right now. In fact, when we have a a hot, dry period, uh, if you don't water those trees and the leaves begin to wilt, they don't photosynthesize. So this carbohydrate that we just mentioned that should be accumulating at this time of year does not accumulate. In fact, the plants, in order to survive, may use up what little they have. So it has not been a really good year. Uh, Probably younger trees can stand that pretty well. Older trees simply have a tough time adjusting. So we're seeing a lot of older trees, uh, some not quite so old, maybe in the 50-year or more uh, age category that, that uh, in a year or two will begin to expire and people are going to wonder why. We've also had some record cold winters, especially with very little snow cover. And when that happens, roots are exposed to the terrible cold. Frost goes down four or five feet into the soil. If roots are exposed to temperatures as low as maybe 10 degrees, which is re- really very mild in, in uh, relation to the tops, at 10 degrees, some roots are killed. So we need to plant trees. What do we do now? The solution to all this is to keep planting trees, and we need to plant trees continuously, a, little, a few every few years, so that we don't have an even-aged forest. And in many of our areas, we do have an even-aged forest because the houses were all built at one time, trees were all planted at one time, they've all grown together, they're all going to begin to expire at the same time. Nurseries are well supplied with trees right now, as a matter of fact. I see as I drive around the countryside that that, uh, even the garden centers have trees out for people to buy. Before you go out and buy a tree, you need to identify a spot where a tree would, would enhance your property. You can interplant with larger trees because the trees only last so long. And if you have no trees, you need to plan, build a, make a plan as to where you could use trees that frame your home, provide some shade where they have plenty of room and where they're going to fit when they're mature. Keep in mind that the trees do grow. And it's a nice little tree with a two-and-a-half-inch trunk when you plant it. 
only five feet across is going to be maybe 50 or 100 feet across when it's mature. So you need to leave it room. It, it's it's uh, not very good on the tree when you have to trim it to fit around your house, and it doesn't look very well either. Uh, don't hide windows or entryways if you can do that, and, and be sure that you plan them where they're not going to interfere with traffic or pedestrians or power lines. And you can identify the plants that, that fit your requirements. You can, you can uh, uh, go to all kinds of tree lists. In fact, your local community probably has a recommended tree list. It will tell you what sizes they are, what kinds they are, which ones they recommend, and may even have a list of ones that they don't recommend. You need to, to uh, select a variety that's based on adaptability ability to your area, and that's what these tree lists do for you. Um, they tell you the form and texture, and they also tell you the colors that you can expect from them. So those are good, re- really good resources. Other good resources would be the wonderful arboretums and botanic gardens that we have around this part of the country. Easy to go out and visit these. Um, most of them are not locked down, especially if you're going to drive through and look at some of these trees. And by and large, these places will identify the trees. They have labels on them, so you know what they are when you're looking at them. By the way, you know, uh, our our selection isn't just oak, maple, and linden. We have a lot of other trees that we can plant. And I notice in our community they're beginning to plant Kentucky coffee tree. This is a slow-growing, huge tree. It's a beautiful tree when it's mature. has very interesting bi-compound um, leaves. That means that uh, the leaf is, has a central stem, then it has side stems that have the leaflets on them. Great big leaves. They may be three feet long. Very interesting. If you have one in your garden, the kids are all going to come around when they collect leaves for school and they're going to collect that leaf off of your tree. And there are a lot of others, too. But, uh, be sure that you don't plant ash trees. Uh, once you've decided what you want, you need to visit the nursery and select a plant that's locally grown, if possible, especially on the same soil as what you have in your yard. If you have the silty clay loam that most of us have, that's what needs to be on the ball of the plant. If you're on sand, which we have in some areas, up in Lake County and other places, you need to buy plants that are sand-grown. Uh, you can tag them in the nursery, they can del- deliver them for you, or if they're in containers, you can take them home yourself, especially if you have a pickup truck. Take them home yourself, uh, and, and they can plant it for you if they deliver it, or you can plant it yourself. And I just wanted to take a minute here to talk about planting. A lot of us that are staying at home now are looking for things to do. If you've never planted a tree, this is a good exercise. It stretches a few of the muscles, and it gives you a sense of accomplishment what you're done, when you're done. Uh, once you get the tree, you need to plant it as soon as possible. Measure the ball across and see how wide it is. Dig the hole twice that diameter and a little less deep than the ball. You don't want it to set too deeply in the soil or it will, stand, it will have water standing around it and eventually will drown. Uh, if the soil is heavy, uh, we found out at Morton Arboretum that there's a real good solution for one of our heavy soil areas, and that's to make the hole saucer-shaped. Then set the ball in the hole or remove it from the container and set it the hole in the hole. If you have circling roots going around that, that ball or that container after you get it out of the container, you need to cut those because the circling roots will eventually end up to being girdling roots and may kill the tree. The backfill halfway with the, the soil that came right out of the hole. Uh, firm it down and fill the hole with water. Let it settle, and when it's drained of the way, fill the rest of the soil back in, then water it again. And that's about all you need to do. 
If we have a continuing dry period, you need to remember that every couple of weeks you need to go out and water the tree. And uh, if the, the community plants trees for you and you use these irrigator bags, be sure that you follow the directions, fill those up, because that will provide the water that these plants need to really get them growing. And remember, even tiny trees will grow. I remember some that we gave to kids years and years ago, and we did Arbor Day celebrations in the schools that are big, beautiful shade trees today. And also remember, we're planning for future generations. We may never never see these mature fully, but there sure are going to be people around who will appreciate what we did. And will appreciate the shade they're able to sit under when these trees get to full size. So, you bet. Anyway, isn't this a nice a nice fall? Beautiful fall weather. So let's get out and enjoy it. Okay, and you do the same, my friend. We'll look forward to talking to you again next week, our visit with Jim Fazell here on the Saturday Morning Show. And we're at uh, 23 and a half. No, I'll make it. Yeah, 23 and a half minutes after 5 o'clock here on the Saturday Morning Show. And I started the show this week without sharing some information that I now have to check in on every day. And that is the spread of the uh, disease, the COVID-19, and the uh, count that we have so far acquired. And here are the numbers the uh, more than 28,330,000 people have been reported to be infected by the novel coronavirus globally. 910,000 people have died. That's according to a daily Reuters tally. Infections have been reported in more than 210 countries and territories since the first cases were identified in China in December of 2019. So that's the count on the coronavirus situation and the uh, new situation that we've got. Well, it's not new. It's just making a comeback. The African swine fever. Remember that disease that hit the uh, hog herd in China and uh, destroyed nearly half of the Chinese hog herd? Well, it's back. The Department of Agriculture of the Republic of Philippines has imposed temporary ban on pig imports from Germany because they found the disease in Germany, and the ban was imposed after the confirmation of the first case of African swine fever in that country. But in addition to that, we've got... uh, the Philippines banning pork imports from China as well, again, because of the disease, African swine fever. So add that to uh, the coronavirus situation, add that to the forest fires that are burning a good part of the Midwest states, and uh, that's one of the tragedies here in this country. Oh, and we've got a couple of the hurricanes possible that are building uh, in the Atlantic and that could move into the Gulf of Mexico. So I guess we've got enough to keep up with and to be concerned about that Mother Nature is providing in addition to the African swine fever that is now making a comeback. 
Now it's 26 minutes after 5 o'clock. Our temperature here at the house in Huntley, Illinois, outside my window, 61 degrees, which is a lot cooler than we saw about a week and a half ago with those high temperature readings. The uh, thing that uh, we're looking forward to uh, this coming week is a different farm progress show. It's a virtual farm progress show, and uh, we'll be talking to Matt Youngman, who is the manager who puts the farm progress show together every year, and we'll be answering some of your questions. Some of the questions I've gotten, well, don't they plant corn and soybean fields in the spring so they'll be ready to harvest at farm progress show time? Yes, they do. And so uh, they've had to alter that timetable just a little bit this year. But they do have crops that are ready to be harvested. And, of course, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week is the Farm Progress Show. And we've combined that with the uh, Husker Harvest Days out in Grand Island, Nebraska. So those two shows will run simultaneously, but they will, they'll be done virtually instead of the uh, combines in the fields. That's already been done, and uh, so we'll talk about that when we get to Samuelson Says. As a matter of fact, 27 minutes after 5, and we're at the time for the Samuelson Says to uh, talk about seeing a different farm progress show. Okay, let's say thank you again to America's food producers. You know that during my time on the air at WGN Radio, I've uh, taken every opportunity I have to say thank you to the people who work so hard on farms and ranches and produce farms and wherever else they do their uh, special work to provide us with food and good healthy food so if you have been part of my audience on radio television or newspapers over the past few decades then you know how strongly I feel about saying thank you and paying tribute to the agricultural producers of the United States. And I'm always looking for new ways to say what I feel. So let me this week take from a full-page magazine ad paid for by Land Lakes, the Dairy Cooperative. And let me quote their full-page ad. We are a farmer-owned co-op, have been since 1921. We were founded on the belief of working together, of looking out for one another, and that includes you. Today, it includes everyone. So know that we're doing everything we can to keep grocery shelves stocked and your family's plates full. Our dairy farmers are rising early. Caring for their cows, their work ethic won't tire. Our plant workers, truck drivers, and retail partners are working together to keep food available to all. From milking barns to your table, our farmers inspire us. Their dedication drives us. But most of all, they remind us that we are responsible for each other. All of us, all together, better. 
farmer-owned Land O'Lakes. I thank Land O'Lakes for letting me use that because I couldn't have said it uh, any better. Over the years, I have watched the dedicated labor of not only dairy farmers, but vegetable and nut producers, beef, pork, and poultry producers, as well as other products that eventually wind up on our dinner table. So let me again say what Land O'Lakes said so well. I hope you will have an opportunity to share what they have said and say thank you if you are a producer. We're working together to help people on the entire planet. So be safe and be well. My thoughts on Samuelson Says. At 25 minutes before 6 o'clock here on this Saturday morning, we continue with our Samuelson Says discussion because I'm just wondering if you're ready for a new era in ag shows. Are you ready to go to the Farm Progress Show in a way that you have never done before? And, of course, you know why. It's because of the COVID-19 situation that doesn't allow us to put a lot of people together in one place at the same time. So, this coming week, September 15, 16, and 17 in Boone, Iowa, we're combining the Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days in Grand Island, Nebraska, into one show at one location. And you know, that location could be in your easy chair in your living room. Max Armstrong and our television crew have been very busy the past couple of weeks shooting the video that will enable you to see what you would see if you were walking in the Farm Progress Show Tent City of 500 exhibitors, or if you were following harvesting and tillage machines in the demonstration fields. Oh, by the way, you won't have to go to the church food tents to satisfy your hunger needs, but you will not be able to visit with friends that you see maybe once a year at these shows. And, of course, you can't kick the tires on those new tractors. But you will be able to learn about what is ahead in agricultural equipment and technology, and we are all going to learn, including those of us who cover these shows for radio and television. We hope you will help us learn by letting us know your reaction to the virtual presentation of the Farm Progress Show, Husker Harvest Days, and all the other events that will be done virtually this year because of the pandemic. Again, the dates are September 15, 16, and 17, so come join us. We always enjoy getting together with you to hear your views on the future of agriculture, and of course, this is the beginning of the outdoor farm show season, and we are going to continue those other shows with you, highlights of these agricultural events throughout the remaining weeks that we have. Hopefully good weather. But uh, talking to Max Max earlier, uh, this would not have been a good week to go to the Farm Progress Show because it rained a lot on the Farm Show site out in Boone, Iowa. But uh, we look forward to seeing you, and uh, we hope 
you let us know how you feel and your reaction to presenting shows virtually, and uh, that way we'll learn together how to do farm shows and stay dry, whether it rains or not. So that's a quick look at what's coming up on Samuelson Says, and let me say that we miss the sandwich fair this week. That traditional fair, like so many others, canceled or postponed until next year. But right now, uh, we're going to uh, check in and learn about land values, farmland values. So let's join Max Armstrong for that report. It's the land market on our mind this weekend as we talk about the markets and Ray Brownfield from Land Pro LLC, who comes to visit us from time to time, has stopped by here. First of all, let's talk about the correlation between commodity markets and the land market. With the rise in prices that we've seen in recent weeks and maybe a little buoyancy to the farmer's sentiment, how does that affect what's going on with agriculture land? Well, with it adds a little cautious optimism, I would say, to the market when you see the commodities doing what they have done. Of course, we don't know how long that will last. But what I'm seeing, Max, is a patient market out there, people that understand there's going to be vacillation in the commodity markets, but land is land. Land's a tangible asset. It's something they want to add to their families uh, to their investment portfolio if that be the case and it's amazing how the land values have remained extremely stable up a little bit even so this is not a bad thing right now to see this happen we don't know how long it'll last we've noticed in those surveys of the agriculture bankers done by the federal reserve bank of chicago that the prices have been remarkably stable is that because in many instances the the elder generation getting ready to pass the baton is wanting to make sure that that generation behind them has a chance. I think that's part of it. I, I do think that we see that going on out there, uh, but in many cases there isn't anybody to pass a baton on, and so then they're looking for other people to buy the land. Hopefully, we see a few leaseback possibilities in some cases to lease back to people. Uh, so that's out there in the marketplace today. But overall, uh, again, a, a very uh, viably good market that may be up one or two percent by year end. Maybe for yep. the year as a whole, yep. up as much as 2%, yep. perhaps. Could be, could be. That would be remarkable considering how long we've been in this agriculture downturn. Exactly. Downturn. But you look at the years that we keep saying, oh, it's going to go down. But the, the resilience is there. And that tells me why land is such a good market. In the long pull, it's a long-term investment, but it doesn't have the big vacillation. You see it in other kinds of, of, of investment. I think we're seeing uh, other investors say, you know, land's a good diversification of our total portfolio. You told me, I don't know, it must have been seemingly 10 years ago, that if you plotted over uh, a chart over a 10-year period, the land market is very comparable to the equity markets. Is yep. that still the case, Ray? It, it truly is. It truly is. If, yeah, if you look at the total, uh, the NACRIF, if, if you look at all the things that are compared to investment analysis over a long period of time, the land is right in there in many cases above. What about some of these pockets where there have been serious challenges? Maybe it's been a drought that continues mm-hmm. or is getting worse. In the state of Iowa, we look at two factors that were going on here, of course, uh, late in the summer, the, the drought and the derecho. 
And I'd heard there were some very, very serious discussions with lenders after the derecho came through in the month yeah. of August. Does that have a substantial effect at, right in that particular area? It, it surely could. It, it really depends on, again, the financial position of those farmers or the landowners over a period of time, not just this year, but were they already in kind of a balance of, uh, you know, stretched, if you will. And this could be the ultimate too much stretch that could cause them problems. I think in some cases, those are such good land areas over there where this all hit that most of them probably can get by another year. Insurance hopefully will be of some benefit. doesn't give you profit, but at least it covers your bottom end. So I don't know that it'll be a disastrous issue with land values, but it certainly doesn't help any, that's for sure. Let me talk with you a little bit about the interest rates and the role that they are playing here. This has to give a remarkable opportunity for somebody to acquire more land, does it not? An unparalleled opportunity. Yeah, I think it really does. I mean, when you think about it, at 3 to 4%, whatever it may be, depends on your duration and what kind of interest rates you work out in your portfolio, it's, it's a tremendous opportunity to leverage some at low interest rates and, and add more land to your portfolio. So, yeah, I think it is. Now, the question how long is it going to last, we don't know, but what I hear so far, it's going to be here for a while. Non-farm investors, what do they think of farmland right now? They've seen a remarkable performance in the stock market, even in the face of COVID-19, the recovery that has taken place. Are some of them thinking, okay, we got it back now. Should we look to diversify? I think so. I think, uh, in fact, we see larger parcels of land that we even looked at for some of our clients it's disappearing quickly, and those are larger investors that are coming into the marketplace that may or may not have owned land already. Uh, we don't know that for a fact, but they're talking six, seven hundred acres at a pop. That's a lot of money at ten to eleven thousand dollars an acre in that bracket. So you're talking big money, but I think they're taking that from the stock market, from the gains made they already had, some diversification, uh, unknown future perhaps of how this is all going to work out with the stock market. So land is a good long-term investment for them. So they're highly competitive to us. Some people, and I was talking with an investment manager the other day, really watched the political calendar. And uh, they were expressing the possibility that you can see a change in the White House anytime there's a change. Regardless of who is there, it brings some unrest into the investment world. Is that a magic date on the calendar for some this year? Certainly, I think so. Yeah, based on unknowns and what could happen if there is a change? What does that do to the whole trade industry, uh, the whole environmental issues? There are just so many things there that no one doesn't know, depending on which way it goes. So uncertainty does cause a, a need for change in some cases. Does that have a chilling effect on the farmland market, or does it encourage investment? <laughs> Good question. Uh, I think it probably encourages investment right now. Mm-hmm. I really do. The concerns of city dwellers about staying in the city. So there's been a lot of press about that here of late. Wall Street right. Journal, Chicago Tribune, a lot of a lot of articles written about the flight from the cities to uh, places uh, that offer the opportunity where mm-hmm. the kids can study in the house. And there can be an office where uh, the guy who worked in the high rise now works in the house. Does that have an effect at all on agriculture land? It does to the degree there's the demand for smaller tracks. Uh, it's a little different marketplace because I think those folks are looking for five and ten acre parcels where they can, you know, maybe build a house or find one already and have a pony out there or whatever. That doesn't necessarily impact the larger farming operation, but it also is a possibility to sell off. If somebody has hey, a set of buildings and so on they never wanted for the farming operation, boom, there's an opportunity and they get a pretty good price for it. Hmm. So it does does help them. Urban sprawl. The exactly. housing industry okay. has been in a world of hurt. Are 
are we seeing some sprawl now ignited by the concern over living in the city? Absolutely correct. I and I live in Naperville, Illinois, and the market out there and the surrounding communities is is hotter and it's been for a long time because people are moving out. They're buying homes about as fast as they come on the market. They're paying a reasonably good price. And uh, it's because of what's going on out there right now. It's location, location, it's location, you people always say, right? Precisely correct. Yep. <laughs> Thanks for coming yep. in. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you, Max. Ray Brownfield, Land Pro LLC. He's based in Oswego, Illinois, just west of Chicago. WGN! Well, what an unusual year it is and is going to be because I will not be able to go to the Farm Progress Show for the opening event next Tuesday, and I will not be able to go to the Husker Harvest Days. But I'm getting a lot of questions, and I've got on the line and the man who can answer them, Matt Youngman, who is the manager of the Farm Progress Show. And it's going to be strange not talking to you on stage this year, Matt. How strange is it for you? It's very strange. There is nothing normal in 2020, and, and the ability to to not have live events, not not see you and Max on stage and get my get my annual time with you guys is, is you know one of the things amongst many that that uh, that I miss uh, as I, as we've gone through 2020. And I'm missing them too along with all the county fairs and the state fairs. But let me get to uh, the number one question that I'm getting from listeners who call what about the crops that were planted to be harvested during this period? What's happening to them? So we're, we have taken our two live shows, Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days, and, and merged them into one online event, the, the Farm Progress Virtual Experience. And, and since we had those crops, you know, we invested the money to plant the corn in Boone and, and, and everything that we, we've invested into Husker Harvest Days, we spent a week in Grand Island, and we spent a week in Boone, Iowa, recording the demonstrations that folks would have seen at, at the live event. And, you know, you can't talk about the, the crops in Boone, Iowa, without without talking about the derecho that came through there. And, you know, we were very, very fortunate when that storm came through on August 10th. It really picked up steam as it was coming by us, and it... It did rip down one grain bin on the show site. That grain bin started the day on 8th Street of the show and ended the day on 12th Street. It, it kind of tumbled across the show site. But 85-day corn doesn't get very tall much. It didn't get it didn't catch the wind like you're seeing on the news. It was pretty tangled up, and you'll see in the demonstrations at the virtual event that there's, there's some of it that was down and changed to a test. Uh, when you look at the field demonstrations and the Farm Progress Virtual Experience, those videos, you're going to note that uh, that that corn had 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 a pretty tough August. Well, as I take a look at the weekly crop condition reports, Iowa is the worst state in the Midwest, I think, and Wisconsin is the best state in the Midwest for crop conditions. So that's one of the changes we'll have to put up with, but. What about the yield and the crop size of what you've had to harvest uh, before the show? You know, I'll, I'll tell you, when I drove from my home here in western Illinois over to Boone, I was once across 80 and once across Highway 30, and it's like a 50-mile through that state. So for you to say that the crop conditions are, are bad in Iowa, I, I, I completely believe it, and, and we're... 
we're fortunate that we were able to, to, to get the demonstrations pulled off the way we did. The 85-day corn doesn't typically yield very well, but we were on the way to about a 200-bushel yield in those field demonstrations, and we ended up, I think, being able to pick up about 160 or 170 of it off the ground. And uh, are you able to store it? Will it be fed to livestock or other people or animals? The the, the problem they're having with the corn that they are trying to harvest is that it, it just pretty much quit on August 10th, and so that's making for some really light test weights. Our test weight on our field demo corn, which stood the storm pretty well, was 54 pounds, which, as you know, is, is not ideal probably isn't going to store very well i would expect this first stuff coming out of the field to to be light test weight and they're going to need to grind it for feed or get rid of it fairly quickly because it just doesn't store too well i think uh the i think the basis is going to do some weird things i you know to try to move some grain into central iowa where the the, the corn come out out of the field enough to make it through the year well, one of the other questions is, will there be all of the commercial exhibitors on site at the two shows? Yes. You know, the, the rather than do a virtual farm progress show and a virtual Husker Harvest Days and duplicate all the efforts, um, you know, we just took the two exhibitor lists and merged them. We took the best from both shows. And, you know, field demonstration-wise, we recorded those cattle handling demonstrations from Grand Island. That's really great haying demonstrations from Grand Island. That Husker Harvest pulled that with the field demonstrations of Farm Progress Show, uh, corn harvest and, and tillage and planting and, all, and a lot of different things. We had over 100 machines in those field demonstrations between the two show sites. And, and another unique thing that we're able to do is, is provide some content. You know, we have this big staff of editors that are out doing good work and reporting on what's new in the industry. And so uh, where we typically try to make every day of the Farm Progress Show exactly the same so you don't miss anything by being there Thursday instead of Tuesday or something along those lines, we have, we have made three days for folks to take in in this virtual experience so it's uh it's certainly i've I've, i think i've i've literally looked through more than 24 hours of content here on my screen as we're beginning to load the thing up and start making it live on september 15th 16th and 17th and uh, the other interesting thing is you'll be able to show the machines at work from different viewpoints than uh, the uh, actual happening because I understand you've got drones overhead, so we'll see those views. Anything else that'll be very different on the demonstrations that folks will be seeing? Well, you've, you've hit it right on the head. So when we have our normal field demonstrations, the crowd is there. We have you know a quarter mile of people stacked up along a rope line to watch it. And crowd safety is our number one emphasis at the live event. Well, Without any crowd, it changes what we're able to do in terms of capturing, video capturing those <clears throat> Those machines. So it's drones in the air, and it's GoPro cameras mounted in all kinds of crazy places, and it's all put together and, and a, a, an audio read by Max Armstrong explaining each one of the machines. Um, and, and another thing to note on those field demonstrations is we did not allow any of the companies to provide us any video. So anybody who wanted to be in these demos had to bring their machine, had to run it on our ground, on our crop, and, and put it all there in front of the growers in a, in a kind of a fair playing field like we do when we have the live show. 
Another thing that uh, I've been getting questions on is, is there a charge for seeing either of the two shows this year? Absolutely not. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week, you just do a real quick registration process and there is no charge. And the other thing that I'd add to that is, and I'm getting a lot of FFA club getting in touch with me and, and utilizing this content for their education process uh, in in class because once it starts going live on September 15th it's going to stay up so you can you can view any of this as it goes live Tuesday Wednesday Thursday next week or any time after that uh, the, the the example I've been using is that if you're in line at the elevator in November and you're mad at your grain card or you're mad at your corn head you can sit there on your phone and and view all these demonstrations right there from your phone or your tablet throughout the year and into 2021. It's interesting that you mentioned the FFA because just uh, last week I received an announcement from the FFA that uh, they will use the Husker Harvest Days and the Farm Progress Show as a teaching element because of what you said, that these will be available for, what, two, three, four months? Yeah, we actually, we're planning on all the way into May or June of 2021. And, and as our editors, you know, add new content on farm safety or marketing or mental health or any of those kind of subjects that they're on, we're just going to continue to, to make this a repository and kind of a reference website so that uh, folks can, can, can really keep up. And, and, and it, I think it's really cool that the things that we're creating while they're primarily for the, for the producers – uh, there are these other folks like FFA groups that are going to get good benefit uh, out, of, out of this event. Well, before we leave you for our only visit, since we won't be on stage together at the, F- at the uh, Farm Progress Show this year, uh, the looking ahead to next year, what plans are you making and where will we be for next year's show? That's a great question. The only other time, as you know, that the show was canceled was 1986 in Iowa, and they came right back in 87 and had it in the same place. But since we went to the permanent sites, uh, there are so many contracts in place that we are locked into odd-numbered years continue to be Decatur, Illinois. So, so for 2021, we'll be in Decatur, Illinois that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday before Labor Day. Well, that'll give you plenty of time to uh, go over all the videotapes of this year and decide what you want to do next year. So as I know you and working with you, uh, you are always looking ahead. So uh, the dates next year are, say again? They are August 30, uh, pardon me, August 31, September 1, and September 2. And then my final question to you is, How's the family? Are they enjoying this strange summer? <laughs> they, they are. Uh, I, uh, my oldest just got his driver's license, so there's a whole lot of our house for that young man. and uh, It's a little bit of freedom for his mother and me as well. But uh, everybody here is, is just doing well, and I hope... I hope all of yours are your your gang is doing well too, Orion. Yes, we are doing well. We will miss you, but we're already looking ahead to next year. 
our visit with Thank Matt you so Youngman, much. who is the manager of the Farm Progress Show, the virtual show that will get underway on Tuesday, continue through Thursday. But as you just heard, you'll be able to watch it probably a year from now and see what people who are on the ground this year will be seeing. So Matt Youngman, manager of the Farm Progress Show here on this Saturday morning show. Once again, we're out of time. Thank you for joining us and our thanks to uh, Bob Ferguson, the engineer who makes it all happen. And we'll see you next week on the Saturday morning show. This is the great voice of the Midwest at 720 a.m. on your radio and on all smart devices. Just say play WGN Chicago. WGN. A Star Media Group station.